Hello and welcome to That Film Studio. I'm Jason. And I'm Luke. In this episode, we've got another movie review, and this time we're looking at Unhinged. Directed by Derek Bort, Unhinged is the thriller film starring Russell Crowe and one of the latest new movies to arrive in cinemas. The movie is out now in theatres in certain territories here in Australia. We've got it. But if you haven't watched Unhinged yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. It is great to have a new movie out for us to go and see on the big screen. It may not be Tenet or Wonder Woman 1984 or Black Widow, but at this stage, I will take what we can get. Luke, you have the plot. Rachel Hunter, played by Karen Pistorius, a mother going through a divorce, uses her horn at the wrong time to the wrong guy. Road Rage doesn't begin to describe what this seemingly unstoppable stranger is about to do to her and everyone she knows. Before we get into the movie proper, just the experience of going back to the movies again. First time in a while. Now, I know you've gone back before me, but this is my first mm. time back. The last film I saw in the cinema before this, The Invisible Man. I was going to say woman. The Invisible Man. Was. That was yeah. such a long time ago. So much has happened from now, from then until now, should I say. And yeah, it was a different experience. I went to the movies. It was mid-afternoon. It was opening day. It's like a ghost town. I know cinemas are open, but people clearly aren't flooding there. And I thought I was going to get a private screening. This was a VMAX screen at an event cinemas. And I was the only guy in there until about five, ten minutes into the movie and someone decided to join the screening. Oh, right. And they were late. They, they were like, so they missed some stuff. I mean, it was, I, just, it was just me and him. Yeah. I felt as should I just go over and just update him on like what he's missed? Well, you know, social distancing. <laughs> well, I went, I went in the evening. I went in the evening and it was a little bit more, you know, it wasn't a madhouse, but it was, you know, there were people in there. So, then, you know, there was, people are going back. But I mean, okay. I guess this isn't a big tentpole film. This is a, obviously a lot smaller. And to be honest, would this have been, you know, just going... Uh, on what the trailers were showing. Would this have been a movie I would have raced out to the cinema, cinema to see under normal circumstances? Probably not. Yes, and I, I would agree with that. I mean, you mentioned Tenant earlier. Like that's said to be the big one, isn't it? But this movie also, they'd been pushing it and advertising it, saying, hey, new movies are coming before the bigger ones, before the blockbusters, and Unhinged was said to be one of the first. That did put this movie on my radar but you're right though without everything that's going on maybe i'd have just waited to rent this one i'm glad that i i went to see this one it's not a glowing review at this stage but what i'm saying is that it's worth watching at least at this you know it it was it was worth it It wasn't like well you know that was a, a throwaway thing but what makes it is is the man yes russell crowe and i'm not i'm not calling him the man He's credited as the man, even though he gives a name. In this movie, he is the man. I'm not saying I support everything he does, but (laughs) he he owns this movie. Like This is his film, start to finish. (laughs) What a performance. The guy is terrifying. Yeah, I I didn't know how far this, what this character was going to be doing. I I thought it was going to be a lot of intimidation, probably a lot of... You know, probably like physical stuff, but I didn't think to the extent of, hey, here's a rampaging serial killer, um, torturous, 
and menacing, just doing all sorts, all sorts in the, without a care in the world of wanting, of fearing being caught. He doesn't care. No, he's whatever, whatever flipped him. It's uh, yeah. It's set him on a path of, well, what flipped him, his wife left him and lost everything. So that's, that's what flipped him. Yeah. This said uh, where this movie opens, like it's just, this film is just relentless. It doesn't stop, scene, does it? No, not not at all. So it's like on one hand, oh yay, I'm back at the cinema. This this is going to be a fun experience. Yeah, you've just got like I'm, this movie is ninety minutes. So fortunately, it doesn't go for two hours. I don't think I could have sat through two hours. I was like a a, a nervous wreck <laughs> through through most of this. Yeah. It, and it's, it's not just what he's doing, it's how they've made the film. Now, I've seen, over the years, so many cars crash in cinema thanks to the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> but I've compared those movies to live-action Looney Tunes on many exactly, occasions yeah. because you've got CGI vehicles flying through the air, crashing into whatever. This movie, though, they're crashing them cars. And it's... It's it's real, and that and that's that's where it gets you. So you've got yeah. the violence, which is another thing, but it, it's the sound as well of the crushing cars. One in particular on the freeway, and you've got the cop car and the cops there on the radio. Yeah. Goes yeah. That for me was the worst crash in the whole film. That was just horrendous. Well, I suppose for the as you're saying, you know, like for the most part, this movie is at least attempting to be quite grounded and realistic. So whatever's happening is happening within real physics, and it's it's supposed to be a believable situation. We can get onto that a little bit more after, but that all that all does they do they do a good effort in at least creating like the rules of the world. You know, like there aren't flying cars and stuff like that. Like if if there's an accident on the freeway, they, you, you're going to feel it. It's going to happen. Um, I, I'm not really sure why the house at the start of the movie exploded, but um, yeah, that's fine. It was still an impactful scene. But yeah, the, the, um, the opening credits with the, with the voiceovers and all the snippets, like that was stressing me out. So from that moment onwards, I was just like, I'm already tense. And then about half an hour in, I was like, I don't think I can do this. I want to walk out just because I'm so, <laughs> I'm so like, I mean, yeah, I was just, I was freaking out a little bit, but it's, um, no, it just became a just an entertaining ride from there on out. So yeah, it's it's it was pretty cool. But the mum though, just making so many wrong decisions. Like from the very from the very first interaction between the mum, the man, <laughs> Russell Crowe, and it's like she had an easy out. Like he'd already done what he'd done at the beginning. I'd say he wasn't necessarily on the run, but he was a wanted man at that stage. But he was still willing, with a sincere apology, because, you know, he did space out of the lights. He did. But she was the one that aggressively honked the horn, and she's got a kid in the back, and for his sake, she should have just took one on the chin, and off she went on her merry way. But she didn't. And it's just a series of bad decisions on her part, but at no point, again, is the man in the right, is constantly in the wrong from the opening scene. Yeah. But she's, she's but it, hard to watch because she's just making so many bad choices. But, I mean, that, that, that initial mistake of obviously, you know, honking the horn aggressively, not a courtesy tap, and then, and then obviously not apologising, it's because she is herself, you know, 
stressed, pushed. Um, she's at that point where there's all this stuff going on and she's feeling the pressure and she just can't give half a second to, you know, let another person sort of dictate how, how she needs to be. So it's like, on one hand, I, I kind of sympathize with that. And, but with the, with Russell Crowe, with the, with the man, I was thinking, I was like, surely they're going to try and make us sympathetic towards him to try and justify what he's doing. But at no real point, except for the reason being that his wife has left him. And like you said, he's left with nothing. Besides that, there's no, at no point are we like, oh yeah, no, this guy might have a point with what he's doing. He's, he's got a just cause. He doesn't. No, and I but like that's that. okay. It still works. Yeah. It still I works. I like that choice that he's just the big bad. You know, like if yeah. you horror movie, Jason Voorhees, Michael Myers, these guys are just bad. They're there to yeah. be a bad guy. And that's who the man is in this film. And then the more it gets to learn about Rachel Hunter, he's reminded of his wife leaving him. And then, yes, yeah, so he just gets just pushing on more, yeah. More. So at least the motivations there, it isn't just out of nowhere, but it's a, it's funny that you compare him straight away to like a Jason Voorhees or a Freddy Krueger or something, because he is a horror movie monster. Like he, he's like unstoppable. You shoot him, he's still going. He, um, not ridiculously, but you know, he gets shot, he's still going. And he's, he's just, he's just killing bitches like left, right, center. Like he doesn't, he's running people down with his car. Like, and I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't expecting him to just start hunting down their loved ones. And I mean, I was waiting for him to get to like the old people home and like I know. Take, I, out, take out a mom, but we'd never got there. So. No, but I had no idea, but I like how, because this is a, it's a, it's a fairly straightforward movie. Like you, you can yeah. follow it really, really easily. But I like that a lot of the dialogue at the beginning, it's really setting up everything that's going to happen. Like when you've got Rachel's brother and he makes mention of, oh, I'm going to go and visit mom, but I always get lost. I always get lost when I go there. I thought, oh, okay, yeah. so they're planting something there. There's candy canes. Yes, there's the emphasis the, on the scissors. The Fortnite plot, the... Exactly. There's a whole... Yeah, I, like, I, I like all of that. Yeah. What do you reckon to the cheesy line, though? I mean, you know, we're kind of all over the place here, but when she does finally kill the man, stabs him in the Loved eye with the scissors, oh, scissors, scissors, here, and then she's like, here's your safety tap, or here's your courtesy tap, and then yeah. push them all the way through. Well, I mean, she's a bit more foul with her language, but yeah, essentially, here's your effing courtesy tap, kicks the, though, because through his face. Although I he's a man being gave killed. a good chuckle, I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I was going to say, although, <laughs> although he's a man being killed, scissors to the head. This film doesn't let up for the most part, but just to have the line, like a, a bit of levity. I liked it. It was a good line, and she delivered yeah. it well. I'll tell you, um, I found parts of this movie pretty predictable. Um, but then at the same time, lots of bits where I was just like, well, okay, I did not see that coming. Like, um, the bit where she gets to the, like the petrol station or the service station, whatever you want to call it. I was like, oh, okay. There's a lingering shot on her phone. I was like, okay, she's obviously going to lose her phone at some point. I was like, I bet, uh, I bet the man, I bet Russell Crowe is going to show up. So he shows up. I was like, I bet he's going to run over that dude. He runs over that dude. I was like, I bet he's going to show up at the diner or cafe or wherever they've set to. And that happened. It, it didn't, I thought she was going to be there when he shows up. I've got a up, question for you. Still happened. Did you at any point see the trailer for this film? No. Nah. Okay. <laughs> I, I saw like, those... I saw like, 
TV spots for it, so right, really short okay. snippet ones. So I got the idea. The scenes you just checked off there are all in the trailer. Oh, they're all in the yeah, trailer. They're, they're, okay. They're, you're not you're not not supposed to know that. Well, was, yeah, no, fair I, enough. So I guess they felt confident. You know how enough. I don't like watching trailers. Okay, yeah. so I guess they felt confident enough putting those scenes in the trailers because people aren't going to be surprised by seeing this. It's safe to well, put Well, there you go. Trailer. So they do. Not a bad, you know, like, like I said, the, I thought she was going to end up at the diner, though, and, and all that. And, I didn't but, know, or I didn't expect the phone, like how he would be just in contact with her throughout the movie. That was a surprise when watching it. Yeah, because he planted a phone for yeah, her, so and, and that was weird. Because other than, because, yeah, the fact that the, the, that doesn't happen very often, like just consistent contact throughout a movie between the bad guy and I want to say good guy, yeah. but, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of, well, I mean, there's a lot of convenient stuff in there. I, I did kind of get the vibe that when they were writing the movie, they were like, and I guess this is kind of like a callback as well to the start of the film where they are having all those little, you know, plot drop things where it's like, oh, look, we need the characters to be doing this or something. You know, they might say, well, we need the characters to be constantly talking. Let's let's make sure that he gives her a phone. Oh, we need we need him to be able to access her information. Make sure she says something about not having a, a lock on her phone anymore. We need them to be, you know, her to, to be able to lose him in some sort of labyrinth type thing. Oh, let's talk about a maze type thing. So it's like, I, it's a cynical part of me, but I reckon there was a little bit of backwards writing, which is fine. It's fine, but... A lot of it was very convenient, though. Yeah, but maybe it's good writing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, it's not un- an uncommon way of of writing a movie. But I'd say, yeah, that's probably what happened. Like starting at the destination, right? Okay, so now we need to go backwards, and we need to get to that point. But yeah. still, though, this again, like ninety minute movie, it could have been a decent run-of-the-mill movie but then of course they've gone and got someone like Russell Crowe who for me automatically just elevates it oh it gives it credibility like like this is something that we should be paying attention to yeah it, a lot of it's in his performance and everything. Mate, it's so intimidating and the scene where he's this is like the beginning so when he first interacts with Rachel and he's sort of like I don't know how to describe it. He's kind of looking like glaring at her. And it's almost like he's grinding his teeth, you know, and he kind yeah. of like just raises his head. It is incredibly menacing. And just, again, as a performer, like Russell Crowe, it brings so much weight. So just having him as the big bad in this movie, he just kicks it into a whole new gear. There's, um, there's a sense of, I was so on board maybe like the first half an hour and I enjoyed the ride the whole way through. So don't get me wrong here, but um, from the diner scene after he, after Russell Crowe like takes out, what's his name? Andy, um, you know, with the coffee mug and he's, he's doing his whole song and dance and then he leaves. I, I was just like, Oh wow, this is sort of pushing. It's sort of pushing the movie a little bit. I don't know. It kind of delved into, how believable is this now? It's like this guy's on the news already. And it's like all these people, especially men, there's lots of men in the, in the diner. Not one of them has a gun, 
where Russell Crowe's unarmed. He did, he did have a butter knife, but besides that, he, like, no one had a gun. I mean, the you're right. Owners of the diner, yeah. no one had a okay. gun. Is this an American town or not? <laughs> I don't know. Um, and then there's things like, you know, there's, there's the crash on the freeway and she's calling the cops and they're like, oh, all our units are, are dispersed to that, you know, dealing with the crash and she's like no the guy caused it mm. and the cops just like all the you know the, the guy on the phone is just like no no well we can't get to you because it's like no that wouldn't happen they'd be sending helicopters like what's going on so there's bits and pieces throughout that i was like yeah i'm not buying that i'm not buying it and then at the very end when they have their super duper plan which was working and the kids up in the little hidey hole thing in the attic and then she joins it why why does she do that that's dumb she i don't know it's dumb but like i said still had a good time so don't, don't get hey, me wrong people in these types of movies are constantly making bad decisions like a classic horror movie yes it does yeah. play like a horror movie and then holds the audience can shout at the screen not in a cinema course we want to disrupt <laughs> the experience but we're like what are you doing don't go in there it's a mistake. Like, yeah, like I mean, if this once this moves past the cinema, like this will be a big hit. You know, if you're watching this movie with a group of I friends, reckon because you can yeah. you can do that. You can just yell at the screen, yell at Rachel and her kid, and just be like, "What are you doing? Why are you yell at Andy when he's you know talking to him at the diner and you know shaking hands and stuff?" Oh, that was good fun. It was good fun. We've mentioned Kyle a few times, or as you say, the kid. We should probably give some props to Gabriel Bateman, who plays her son. Yes. For the longest time, I'm like, where do I know this kid from? And it's Andy <laughs> from Child's Play, the, the recent yeah. remake. It was killing me, not knowing. Not able to I remember. did the same thing. I was like, the kid looks probably familiar, but I don't know who. I'm like, it's not the, it's not the Arnold's foul kid. It's not him. Where do I know this kid from? Yeah, Child's Play. But he was consistently good in this. It was good. I mean, I always do my, my kid test in a movie is, is that kid annoying the shit out of me? And he passed. Oh, he good. didn't. <laughs> this is good. So there you go. Big thumbs up for me for the kid. Obviously, this movie's pretty full on with the violence. It's got a good old MA rating here in Australia. Um, with it, though, I guess it's it's important. You know, there's the horror movie aspect to it and all, all of that. But I guess they can kind of, uh, I guess the way to get away with it is to have their, their social commentary. I mean, the whole premise from the get-go, from the those opening credits, it's about, I mean, I guess it's trying to tell us just to take it easy, relax, try and de-stress, try not to become unhinged because you will become a monster. Like, <laughs> you will become a monster like Russell Crowe. Did you take away anything from this movie? I mean, yeah, it's not a subtle movie, is it? With the, uh, with the <laughs> it's pretty, but it it's is a bit on the nose, yeah. But it is a very, a very real thing. Like whether it's calling up people on the freeway, people using phones when driving, it's something you see. And you know, road rage is a very real thing. The yeah, the news tonight, guy in his seventies, someone punched him through his window <laughs> don't laugh oh man on the freeway it's, it's <laughs> wow it's, but it's it's a thing like people it happened. that annoyed when driving that ridiculous I'm, I'm sure there wasn't an unfolding serial killer type homicidal <laughs> like 
thing, but yeah, no, that's... But it is a thing, and, and, you know, I guess you do go away. I mean, when you're seeing, because we see there's ads, you know, don't drink and drive, don't use phones when driving, you know, all of that. But this movie was bloody effective. I guess it'd be a long commercial if they were to play the whole movie. But there's so many scenes in this, and it, it does make you think. Yeah, you could cut up little bits and pieces and put this together as like a what not to do on the road and like there's enough in here. But I I swear, like the other day, and this was after watching this movie, that like someone cut me off, drove in front of me on a roundabout when they needed to give way to me and I honked the shit out of them very aggressively because that's just what I do. I learned nothing from this movie. (laughs) I learned nothing. No, I'm a, I'm a smart guy though. Like if I know, if I can tell that the person who's pissed me off is a huge bloke and will kill me, then no, I'm not going to do that. So I've learned that at least. That's kind that's of not the exact, that's not the exact message, but okay. No, but you know, <laughs> if there's find a middle ground, I am, then I'll honk. <laughs> <laughs> Little old lady who like pisses me off on the road. She's gone. She is gone. All right, let's. Um, how about we do a rating then? Yeah, of, let's, uh, of uh, unhinged. Let's leave that and do the rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's hard to enjoy a film like this because again, it, it, you're just so anxious as it as it's unfolding. But it, for me, it was very well put together. Again, I was swept up in the joy of being back in there, back in a cinema. But still, there's a lot going for this movie. And again, having Russell Crowe be the guy in this or the man. And yeah, it, it is, it is a good film. It's a good film. I'll, I'll come in at a 3.5. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I've already said it. There's, there's bits that are kind of unrealistic, a little bit silly, but you know, perfectly fine to poke fun at when watching this again. And I'll definitely do that. Cause it was a fun, it's not intense ride, but very fun um, and where they did achieve like the grounded and, and the gritty side of it all, it all worked really well. And Russell Crowe is making this movie like just with his intimidation, his scariness and his, uh, his angry chubs as my wife described it as. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I, I also, yeah, had decided on a 3.5 out of five as well. So there we go. We had an equal amount of good time. There we go. Before we before we close out, Russell Crowe in this, he's he's put on a few pounds, hasn't he? Like he's um, he's not how he used to be. Is this? I couldn't work out. Is he really this big in this movie? Well, let me let me answer that with my trivia. Oh, okay. Russell Crowe has. Gained a bit of weight, and you can tell in his face from probably what you last saw him in. So yeah, he has he has gained a bit of weight, um, but not to the extent that you do actually see in this movie. He is wearing um, a bodysuit or a right. suit, whatever. Call there it. we go. The last time he did put on an ex- a substantial amount of weight for a film, um, he put on sixty three pounds for a role, and that was back in two thousand and eight when he starred opposite Leonardo DiCaprio in Ridley Scott's Body of Lies. He said that the experience was so disgusting, or like the, the whole journey that he did and obviously having to work it all off and all that, that he vowed never to do it again. 
So although he has put on a bit of weight, he yeah chose to do a bodysuit in this instance. So right, okay, so that is not he is not that large. <laughs> but the, but you know what? It's his progress. If he, if he wants to be, he wants to be big. So I didn't know, like, yeah. just watching this move. But the reason why I was bringing it up, and you mentioned Ridley Scott there, they're still actively working on Gladiator 2. I was just curious about that, that's all. Yeah. I'm sure, because, you know what? You know, with all, he's, he'll be training, he'll be shaping up, he'll, he'll be able to turn it all into muscle. So, right, okay. Into, um, so it was part of the character. I guess part of his size. And Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So in his face and stuff like, and I guess that makes it look quite real because that's not prosthetics, yeah. that's him. But, but the gut beard. and the, the thickness of like his arms like look flabby. Yeah, yeah and the beard, had the beard as well. Yeah. So that, that hides a couple of chins. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I, um, I set you up with the trivia because I was genuine. You did. It was, was almost. <laughs> I was, it, was, it was perfect, mate. I was generally curious. Okay, there we go. My fingers are crossed that you didn't mention it at any point during the actual review, which is great. And that's it for our review of Unhinged. Please go subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, and please leave us a review. It helps listeners just like you find the podcast. We are on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Studio Podcast. And we also have our companion shows, Rewind in Review and Sounds Like Comics, which each have their own Facebook pages. All our episodes can be found on our website, thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. If you missed it, Sounds Like Comics have a recent episode looking at Batman Returns from 1992 and Rewind in Review went back to the 90s to check out Clueless. Be sure to also keep an eye out for our next review, Deathstroke, the animated movie. Dragons and Knights, I believe, is the full <laughs> title. It's a last-minute addition to the schedule, but I believe that will be our next review. You've been listening to Jason and Luke, the guys from that film studio. See you soon. Bye.